Welcome to On the Other Side, where we talk crypto, culture, and society, and how crypto might shape society and change how real humans live their actual lives. Every week, we have on cool people from the crypto world to talk about what they're building and what the implications of that might be for real human beings. Today's conversation is with Julia Rosenberg, who is the co-founder of Orca Protocol, Orca is doing some really interesting stuff when it comes to human-centric DAO primitives. So this is a really cool conversation. I will say the audio quality in this is a little bit funky. It sounds like we're on a Zoom call or a phone call or something like that. Something went awry with the audio recording software, but I hope you're able to get past that. Just imagine that you're on a Zoom call with us, and I hope you enjoy the show. I am here with Julia Rosenberg from Orca. Julia, thank you so much for coming on the show. Of course, thank you for having me. I'm super excited to chat about all the things that you're working on with Orca and what it means to be a people first protocol. I love that so in line um, (laughs) with what we're doing in the podcast. So I'm super excited to chat. Before we dive into it, do you want to give a little bit of background on you and how you fell down the crypto rabbit hole and then maybe a little bit about Orca? Yes, for sure. So uh, I actually came from the cannabis space, which is a joke, like functions very similarly to crypto and being on the frontier <laughs> and legal gray area of many things. But then I spent some time in consumer social, which is what really got me down the crypto radical. My partner has been in space for a bit, um, my co-founder John. So he also dragged me down <laughs> the rabbit hole. But I think my first pivot into crypto was more from like a consumer perspective and just thinking about how people organize digitally. This was the the thing I was stuck on in consumer social startup world. And just thinking about how we can reorganize people from a very high level perspective. That's kind of what turned me into crypto. And my partner came up from the enterprise world. He was also very frustrated with this idea of how we can organize people more effectively. So we combined our perspectives, mine from consumer social, John's from enterprise, and started working on Orca. And the early days of Orca was just thinking about what are the most effective ways of organizing people. And obviously that really applies to DAOs and centralized governance and all of these things in the crypto. But I think we just forget a lot of the time that at the end of the day, what we're organizing are people. And that sometimes gets lost when we're starting to build these really complex down mechanisms and such. So yeah, that's a very high level overview of how we got to work at. Yeah, I totally agree. I think we put our like mechanism design hats on, which is so fun and nerding out about mechanism design is a blast. At the same time, I think we tend to forget about all of the people behind it and the mechanisms that we're designing things for. Like at the end of the day, it's about people. So I absolutely love that. I, I also dug in a little bit to some of what you're doing in Orca with pods and all of that. Can you give a little bit of background on your thesis around pods and some of those pieces? I think it's super, super cool. Yes, of course. So what Orca is, is like a flexible, modular DAO primitive not primitive, um, is pods. So I just ideologically, the way we think about pods are small working groups to build governance around people based on their technically what a pod is. It's a multi-sig with conditional membership. So we're creating this like additional layer for permissioning and creating room for accountability mechanisms so that you know we can grow out organizations more effectively and start to introduce 
more organizational infrastructure. But the key thing with pods is just having these small working groups of people and seeing how we can click those together to build out larger organizational schemes rather than starting with these top-down structures. Yeah, I think that's super interesting. And it feels like we talk a lot about DAOs in this very general sense, but we typically don't talk tactically about what DAOs actually are made up of. What is the anatomy of a DAO? And it feels like pods very much get at that fundamental way of working in a really interesting way. I'm curious, like, how did you settle on the idea of pods? What got you to that point? So it actually was informed a lot from just like consumer behavior and like what John and I found from both of our past instances. We became obsessed with this concept of Dunbar's number, which is basically just like a theory that was introduced on kind of the limit of social relationships that humans can have. And obviously it's so much bigger than it was originally like theorized to be because we have social media and the internet and our circles just become so, so big. And I think that's like a lot of the growing pains of organizations is we just build and we add more people without creating like the right rails for collaboration that can become really messy and noisy very quickly. So I started to think about like, okay, what are like the most intimate kind of coordinated, effective units within these concentric circles of social relationships that we have. And what I found was that anything more than a group of maybe 10 people starts to become very muddled and loud and fractionalized. And all of these problems start to arise. But where truly effective coordination happens is in very small working groups. Like you can make a comparison to just you and your friends to an agile working group, like your team, all of these things. We as humans just work better when there's like a fewer amount of people that we're engaging with and responsible for having these relationships with. Um, so that was really the early idea behind pods is, okay, people work better in these very small intimate groups. And that doesn't exist today in DAOs. Um, we actually have the opposite happening where we have just so many actors sitting in like this very loose ecosystem. So that was like the early birth of pods. I love it. I'm super curious how you think about the onboarding into pods from like a people sense. So from what I've seen in DAOs, there are different approaches to this, but there's like, you sit around in a working group until you have the confidence to step up and do something. There's also like a more formal sort of application process into these types of groups. What's your sort of hypothesis, how people get onboarded into these smaller circles of people? Ooh, that is such a good question. So I think it can happen in a range of ways. So we really see the pod mechanism as a way for easier DAO spin-up so that with all of these cool DAO concepts that are coming up in these crazy DAO summer days, that you could very easily just go and spin up a pod. And that is the DAO primitive that you're building this DAO around. Um, I always like make the comparison that one day we would love to work with ETH Global and have every project that comes out of a hackathon is given a pod. And given this entity to collaborate, work together, have shared resources, just like really start to tap into the benefits of the DAO model. So I think there's like the spin-up, 
approach of it and having this very easy mechanism to plug into to you know start the birth of your DAO. But I also think that there's like this very interesting committee approach that these organizations can start to spin out pods that are delegated very specific roles and responsibilities within an organization and that there's like these seats available to be claimed. A key part of the pod is that we have these kind of rulemaking abilities and those are certain requirements that pod members must meet in order to maintain their seat and their membership to the pod. Organizations could set up certain requirements that members must meet in order to then have access to whatever responsibilities are delegated to this group. So it becomes like a really interesting future work model to think about. Yeah, I love that. I'm curious what those types of requirements would be like in a given pod. Yeah, so they're completely custom, like, rules and requirements. It really could be, like, anything you dream up. Obviously, like, the most easy to think about requirements are, like, you have to hold certain tokens and you can point to certain NFT badges. But I think there's so many interesting projects and, like, oracles and all of these things that are working on how we can create better like on-chain identifiers or reputation systems, like what Rabbit Hole is doing. These are all like really interesting things that we can start to point to as requirements and showing like proof of work or these badges that create some kind of criteria that people must meet in order to fulfill these positions. That's super interesting. Do you see hierarchies emerging within pods or do you think pods can maintain like a pretty flat structure? That's a good question. I think that pods will likely keep a pretty flat structure. That's a really unique thing that we're doing. Like token, you know, weighted voting is obviously proportional to your tokens and that's your kind of governance power within the ecosystem. But with pods, one membership equals one vote. I really think that helps to add to this flatness, which I think is a good thing. But I think what will start to happen is that we'll start to see hierarchies created with different pods. So like how these pods are clicked together. And I think that's when we'll start to see hierarchies come to life. Yeah, I think that's super interesting. And I was listening to a podcast that you did prepping for this. And it was a while back, but I think you brought up the way that checks and balances exist in the US government. I think that's something like what it was, (laughs) but it was super interesting. Can you like dive into that a little bit? Yes, it was with Commodore. However flawed the U.S. government is, the way it was set up was very purposeful in having the judiciary, the legislator, the executive, and each have certain ways that members are elected, different ways that they vote, different responsibilities and things that they're beholden to in this ecosystem together, which doesn't exist today in crypto. We don't really have that mechanism to hold people accountable. Obviously, we can do that through some of these like slower governance processes, but there's not as like direct of a correlation there. That's what I'm really excited to start to see to emerge with pods is that, you know, you can layer them together and delegate certain responsibilities to certain pods and delegate rulemaking abilities of pods to other pods or governance systems so that you start to have these checks and balances come to life. Yeah, I love that. It's almost like composability of different working groups in some ways, because 
if you can have them depend on one another or delegate to one another, which feels like it is definitely missing right now. Like the, yes. the organizational pieces. Exactly. Pure chaos. You know, it's composability of people. That's exactly it. I love that. I'm curious how you think about the future of work at large. So you're talking about pods potentially being this way of enabling this evolution of work. I'm curious how you think the everyday person 20 years from now will interact with DAOs. Hmm. Yeah, I think there are so many like ideals of the DAO that like we're all aspiring to and how we're changing future work. And you actually had a tweet on this talking about how there's still like, so many off-chain barriers that exist, which I like loved so much because I was like, yes, what we're building is revolutionary and like very exciting for like future work and how people can collaborate and build things together in like you know, different ways. But there are still so many things that are stopping people from actually accessing those structures, like traditional barriers, but also what you mentioned that there's, um, you know, an educational learning curve and I think you mentioned like a confidence gap, which is like such a perfect way to put it. And also just the onboarding needs. I think people generally get really excited about projects and they're like, okay, I want to help. What can I do? They show up in the discord and it's so like loud and noisy and crazy and they don't know where to go. I'm really excited about Orca and starting to create some infrastructure to help guide people in that kind of like road towards changing like future work and how people can contribute. So yeah. Yeah, it even feels honestly part of this conversation around accessibility to me has been for especially the confidence gap because that's one that I can very much understand as someone who like identifies as a woman and socializes as a woman, which I think is specifically where some of those things come from. I feel like a smaller group of people is one of the big keys actually to unlocking and helping get past that barrier because going into a DAO where there are these huge working groups with established people, it's really intimidating. But when yes. you have a smaller group of people where you feel like you can have those relationships, it's so much better and so much less intimidating to start contributing. Yeah, I completely agree. If you look at governance forms, it's like the same people showing up and like, being loud and having opinions and for a very long time like I personally was not comfortable showing up in that way I didn't feel like I understood enough things I felt like whatever I was going to say was dumb or there's just like a lot of pressure I think to show up like publicly like that and I'm very thankful that I learned in like this really small ecosystem with my team at Orca like we have learned so much together and like we're a very small team of eight people and like I think about our learning her together as a team and it's been like so crazy and I truly attribute so much of that to having this small team of people having this like kind of judgment-free space where we're all on the journey together oh yeah and I feel like that's what I've seen something similar at index co-op where we're basically creating a space for women to support each other specifically but it's a similar vibe where it's like you can be vulnerable with people and learn alongside people and don't feel like you're going to embarrass yourself in front of a huge community, yes. which I think yes. is definitely a challenge for anyone. But I think specifically for certain groups where, yeah, there's already that confidence gap. So I think it's so important to create groups like that. I'm also curious. So is Orca longer term becoming a DAO itself? Like, how do you think about that? 
Yes, absolutely. We actually, for so long, like when we first started building Orca, we really wanted to be like DAO first and like avoid the like, progressive decentralization process because it can be very tedious and long. And we even had started brainstorming mechanisms for like DAO native fundraise. And we we're going to like bootstrap our own product to do that. But unfortunately, as time went on, we we're like, okay, we need to fundraise sooner, then we can make the product available. So we did have to go with a more traditional setting up in C Corp and all of those things. But the goal is 100% to DAO and dog food our own product and use pods to build out that ecosystem. Yeah, that's super cool. I noticed even like in the Orca Discord, I'm curious how you've been thinking about this because it feels like from a... If you consider like the Orca strategy, something like an exit to community, which sort of seems like what it is where you have an organization, but you know that over time you want that to be decentralized and controlled by the community. It feels like even the Discord is more fun and community oriented than a lot of companies. I'm curious how you've been thinking about community building along those lines, knowing that you're ultimately going to transition control over to a community. Yeah. I think that we're still super early and I thank you for applauding our Discord. I think a lot of that has, I think the most excitement in our Discord has just been around like meme creation. That's yeah. such a great way to engage people. Like who doesn't love memes, especially like nerdy governance memes. <laughs> um, so we've definitely captured a niche group of people in that sense, but it's something I'm thinking a lot about right now. Like we still haven't launched our product yet. So obviously we're still very early in our community. Um, but I really want to make sure that I'm practicing what we preach and setting up the right rails for communication and coordination for our community to succeed. And I even find myself falling victim to the same trends that I'm pointing out as issues in the space. Like we have all these amazing people in our Discord. They're showing up, they're volunteering. And I'm having a hard time figuring out like how to turn that energy into actual work and give them tasks and opportunities to work on things without you know, creating too much work for myself. So I honestly just keep coming back to we need our own product to be ready so we can start to build out some of those things. Like how cool would it be to have an Orca design pod and like people can come and go as they want to contribute, but they're held to certain requirements, they're paid out in certain ways based on their time spent on the pod. These are just the things I like dream up of having and I'm like experiencing the growing pains right now of not having. That's the best that's the best thing when you're experiencing the growing pains of not having your own product. That's it sets you up not just for dog fooding, but that other people must be having those challenges too. I love it. Yeah. And it's just been like so great we're haven't launched a product yet, but we've already received so much validation of like kind of the same sentiment of, okay, I needed this yesterday. Like when is this ready? So we are heads down building to make sure we can make it happen for, for everyone. I love it. I'm excited for that to happen. I'm curious <laughs> when you think about people who want to do, let's say design where they're like, Oh, I'm really passionate about design. I want to help out. Something that I've been thinking about is how you encourage creative work within DAOs. It feels like pods help with a lot of that because you have a team, but you definitely have different roles within that team. Do you think that within these sort of like units, whether they're pods within Orca or like 
working groups, which ultimately seem like they're, they would be the same. Do you think there's a need for like people that have very specific roles or do you think it's a little bit more flexible and open? Within a pod? Yeah. Yeah. I definitely think in some cases, yes. In some cases, no. I think what you're saying about opening up like spaces for creativity, like that's a really hard thing to capture in like a task. Like it's, let's say, let's use the example of design and you know, you just want people to iterate on branding. That's like a very hard thing to like encapsulate and okay, you need to deliver X, Y, and Z when you might just want people to like, like flow in the direction that was right for them. So I think that's when a pod becomes really interesting is that people can contribute to like the larger goal of a pod without having to necessarily be so siloed within a specific um, task. Is that kind of what you mean? Yeah, yeah, no, I think that totally makes sense. That's exactly what I was thinking is like, how flexible are some of these things? Because it feels like, to me, my brain, when I'm trying to think about the future of work, I'm always like, okay, what is the human version of this? I'm rooting this in some sense of reality. And to (laughs) me, it feels like teams are a very close analogy here. And typically teams have more formal roles, but of course DAOs are so much more flexible that it creates this interesting tension between like, how do you create these types of teams and make them comfortable and intimate while also having some structure maybe? But it sounds like with pods, there's this opportunity to have an overarching goal. And so for an individual, it's actually more about working towards that goal rather than having some specific like atomic task. Yeah, no, completely. And I think, again, like we're probably trying to stay like more unopinionated on something like this because it's like up to the organization and like the needs of that organization or like whatever that unit of people is. So if they feel that there's a need for like more formal titles and okay, we have the design pod and here's the product lead and here's the design, UI research and all these things, like that's totally up to them to like figure that out. We're just trying to create like that mechanism for people to spin up these smaller units of human coordination and whatever way that fits best for them. So I think we're like really trying to take a different approach from like former down communications in that sense and that previous down communications have been like very prescriptive and I think organizations ended up having to mold themselves to these structures rather than the structures molding themselves to organizations. So we're trying to like really keep that in mind when we think about what we're building. Like I have personal like opinions and ideas about all of these things, but at the end of the day, it's completely up to that organization or that unit of people to decide how they want to organize and you know in what way that, that comes to life. That totally makes sense. Yeah. And I think that's probably the much better way to go. Half of it is just that we don't have established best practices yet for so many of these things that like to make a super opinionated tool just doesn't even make sense. But going in this fundamental we know that humans operate in this way. That makes things much easier. We definitely need that. So I, I totally love totally. that. Totally. And I think that's like such a big problem with it is when we think about like people actually creating the DAO, talk about like confidence gap, <laughs> having to onboard from this DAO idea to a full governance structure is so intimidating and scary. Like why can't we do it in a more user people friendly way? 
And I think that's why today kind of a new is safe is like the going DAO primitive because it's so simple and there's really nothing attached to it other than, okay, here's where shared resources live and these five people are a part of it. And that's as complex as the Gnosis safe is. So I think that's why people have been like so attracted to it recently. Yeah, no, that totally makes sense. Do you think that we're going to live in a world where most people work for DAOs? I think that we will see so many companies migrate to DAO systems. And I also think that we will see people work for multiple DAOs. That's what's so beautiful about the whole structure. It's like this open, collaborative environment that you're creating. And I think we've generally seen like a massive shift towards a lot of people moving freelance and not wanting to tie themselves to one thing or one company, one vision, whatever. And I think people like generally value their freedom and choosing where they can spend their energy. And I think we've completely witnessed that start to happen in crypto. Again, I think the tooling is young and I think it's very difficult to be involved in multiple communities right now. I always say to when I supply, how you, how are you part of so many different communities and staying on top of everything? It's truly, I don't understand how he does it. But yes, I definitely think as tools progress, it will become easier and easier for people to be part of like multiple different projects. I think Gitcoin is a beautiful example of tools that are working in that direction. Like that you can just pick up certain tasks related to different projects and work on those and be paid for your time. That's a really perfect system working in that direction. Yeah, I think even bounties like that are going to be super interesting to watch play out where you have very small units of work that maybe you don't need to be part of a team or really even part of the community to complete. I just am obsessed with the idea of pods. So I keep coming back to it. Now I have a question about it. All. <laughs> it's so important. I feel like people don't talk about this enough. But like, how do you see pods interacting with something like that? Because it feels like more traditional in the sense of like a startup, you have a team that works on something specific, but then you have this interesting new element that DAOs are bringing in, which is, let's say, low level bounties to complete certain things. So in the whole example of a design pod, what mm -hmm. does completing a very specific design bounty look like? Is it that the pod sort of interacts with the person completing that bounty? Do you imagine that pods sort of have their own bounties? What do you think mm -hmm. that might end up looking like? Yeah, I think it's like all of the above. I think you can structure it in so many interesting ways. An example of what could be done is that even that like working group of people could be a pod and they can move as a collective to different projects in the space. So like a pod doesn't have to sit within a project. It can just sit on its own moving around in the metaverse. But I think there's also a ton of opportunity for, let's say, the design pod of a specific protocol spinning up subpods that that initial design pod has some sort of control over in terms of who can be part of it and what requirements they can meet. But in these sub pods, they can have certain initiatives or tasks that they were given a grant for maybe and have the opportunity and flexibility to work on that. And maybe that's it. Maybe that's all that sub pod ever does. And maybe it dissolves after that like task is complete. But like you start to open up these types of structures where, you know, that working relationship can be really flexible and, and composable, going back to our people composability. Yeah, I think that's so cool. And it reminds me, I don't know if you saw like a prehistory of DAOs, but something that I really liked within it was that she had this idea of 
different teams within DAOs working together across different DAOs and then actually aligning with tokens cross DAO, which I thought was incredibly interesting, which sort of reminds me of what you're talking about in the sense that pods could actually almost act as their own autonomous groups that collaborate in a really interesting way with different DAOs. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's a really exciting feature of secret pods. It's like you have this completely, like I've actually even talked to certain projects about it. For example, a group of designers that is looking to do just that. Like they want to really invest in the projects that they're working in and be a part of it, but still have this kind of flexible working relationship. But they're not like 100% committed to a single entity or single protocol, but they have a flexibility to move about in a way that they see best for that. People always say DAOs are like a group chat with a bank account. This is like the actual manifestation of that coming together, which I think is so cool. I think that's why I'm so obsessed with it because it's a very <laughs> tangible way. I was actually just talking with my co-founder about this today is like, just, I think the concept of joining a pod just makes so much more sense to people. It's just something that we're very familiar with in terms of an ideological framework. Like you join a group, you get a ticket basically, which is like your NFT membership to a pod. If you don't act well, if you're a bad actor in the ecosystem, your ticket is revoked or your NFT pod membership is revoked and you're no longer part of that group. It's a really simple way to think about how people can collaborate and be part of these smaller working groups within a larger DAO ecosystem. And I love the idea that the NFT is actually what gets you access to a pod because, correct me if I'm wrong, but it's like you have, the NFT is your ticket in, like you're talking about. And Mm -hmm. one of the requirements for that ticket might be tokens, but it could be something else, right? Yeah, it's completely custom. I think that's so cool because it almost takes away this financial tokenization aspect in some ways, or at Mm. least makes it optional, which feels really important to me when we think about making the distinction between being part of something and financializing that thing, I guess would be a way to put it. Yes. I think about this all the time. This is one of the many flaws of token-weighted governance is that there's so much wrapped up in the token. It's not only your stake in the project and your potential for upside and your ownership in the protocol, but it's also your governance control and power. And that's just so much to wrap up in a single thing. So it's really hard to give people who don't have ownership control. So like, how can we create these kind of more siloed working groups to empower people to step up to these roles without necessarily having a serious amount of project tokens. Yes, I love that. And that really goes back to this concept of accessibility, which is that it shouldn't cost you $10,000 to be able to make an impact on a project. And I love that you're creating the tooling to make that flexible. I think that's so important. Yeah, absolutely. I completely agree. I think we have a long ways to go with accessibility in the space. So I'm excited to open up more avenues with POTS and see how even in that sense of future of work, 
Yes. I'm so excited for pods to be like completely <laughs> launched. Really. I, I absolutely love the idea. I just, I love that you love the pods. And I always just think of visual too, of just thinking of all these little like bubbles in space floating around together. Some bubbles are within other bubbles and they work together and they collaborate together and some bubbles are floating off by themselves. It's just like this beautiful ecosystem of pods that I'm so excited to, to come to life. And I like that when two bubbles come together, they could make a bigger bubble for some period of time and then separate again. (laughs) Now I feel like when you launch these, you have to launch with some sort of bubble NFT artwork. Oh yeah, no, the pod visuals are going to be exciting. There's actually cool opportunities for that because you can actually, with the NFT, upload your own artwork and such so that your pod has specific artwork that's related to your pod membership NFT. So there's actually cool things you can do with that. Which is so cool because on a different tangent, it creates this cultural aspect where people can start to identify with the look and feel of a certain pod, which is so cool. Yes, 100%. And it also becomes a really interesting on-chain identifier too, that you could go to my wallet and see like what pods I'm a part of based on what NFT memberships I hold. You create this really interesting visibility in addition to what you're enabling and using an NFT as the membership. Yes. And actually, that's a perfect segue into this little segment that I'm adding on to the end of the podcast, which is what is your favorite asset in your wallet? Let's see. It honestly, this is so random. So probably the favorite thing that sits in my wallet, which has absolutely no value, um, are back in like the clubhouse days, aka like four months ago, there was this group of ETH maxis that created this like lizard group. And every time you would enter the chat, they would like hiss at you and you had to basically create a lizard persona and add it to your clubhouse photo. And it just became like this hilarious and ridiculous thing and ended up sending lizard tokens to everyone who participated they have zero value but it's just like this hilarious reminder to me of the weird people I meet on the internet that exist in like this amazing nerdy governance like beautiful crypto space that I'm a part of I love that. And I love reminders of culture like that, where you just know that four years from now, maybe that will still exist, but it won't be the same like special little bubble of people that it is today. Oh, no, absolutely not. There were I there were very clear lizard personas and I <laughs> knew all of them. And we will maybe in pods, they can exist. But in the the metaverse it's hard to identify all your lizards that would be amazing lizard pods <laughs> you have to make it happen when orca launches people absolutely must be on it i absolutely okay. love that. that is so funny i will make it a thing <laughs> please do well thank you so much for coming on the show it was so fun to chat i really cannot wait for everything with orca to launch it's going to be i think super super cool So where can people find you? Where can they stay updated on everything that's going on with Orca? So you can join our Discord, which you can find on our Twitter. It's just Orca Protocol. You can find me on Twitter, Jules Rose with Zs. But thank you so much for having me, Chase. And thank you for being such an amazing Orca fan and (laughs) pod fan. Can't wait to have you join the ocean with us in our aquatic journey. 
Oh my God, I love that. Can't wait to have you join the ocean. You can't close it out in a better way. That's phenomenal. <laughs> Thank you so much for coming on the show. It really was fun to chat. Thanks, Jade. If you like what you heard, please make sure to rate and subscribe to the podcast. I always forget to do this for podcasts I like, but it's actually super useful. Also, if anything resonated with you or if you want to continue the conversation, hit me up on Twitter. I'm at Chaser Chapman. I absolutely love talking about these things. Thanks again for listening.